Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck, a medallia company. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. This podcast is also brought to you by the Success League, a consulting and training firm focused on developing top performing customer success programs. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. And today I have Meredith Blanchard on the podcast. Meredith is the Senior VP of Customer Success and Support for SailPoint. And we're going to talk about how COVID-19 has created a shift in customer success toward a focus on value and how she is refocusing her team at SailPoint on customer value as they move into 2021. Meredith, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, Kristen. Thank you for having me. Tell me how you ended up in customer success. What has been your career path so far? Well, it's interesting. I actually started my career out as a developer, which was not for me for many many reasons. Um, I I moved from there into account management and found that I really enjoyed that interaction with customers. But what I found frustrating was the reactive nature of account management. We would engage, of course, when there was a problem, but I kept thinking how much more value I could offer if I had more of a proactive relationship. So with the emergence of SaaS, of course, came this emergence of customer success, which was this proactive role I'd been seeking. So I leapt at the opportunity to work initially as a customer success manager, uh, but shortly after moved into managing a team and and the rest is history. That's great. Um, It's not very often that I hear of people who started out in development moving into customer success. So that's a very cool way to get your start. Yeah, it wouldn't be my recommended path, but I'm I'm happy I ended up where I am. (laughs) So Meredith, what does SailPoint do and what is the mission of the company? Uh, For some context, I'd also love to hear about how your customer success and support teams are structured. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So the way I explain what we do is organizations can't do business without technology and they cannot use technology without access, proper access. Um, Managing and governing this access is necessary to ensure that organizations can address today's challenges and and most importantly, remain secure. In fact, uh, Forrester recently reported that managing identity and access is possibly the most important part of security, especially in this world of um, almost entirely distributed employees. So the SailPoint platform provides businesses with visibility into who or what within an organization has access to the applications and unstructured data, who should have access, and then how that access is being used. And from there, the platform accelerates the management of this access. It automates secure access, adapts and automates security policies, and ultimately enables organizations to protect their business and data at scale. Okay, got it. And then how is your uh, customer success and support team structured today? At SailPoint, we are laser focused on creating successful customers, and and we see this as a mindset, uh, not a single department. Leading the charge, though, is our customer success team, and this is a team of non-quota-bearing customer advocates responsible for driving customers towards their desired outcomes. And one thing that makes SailPoint a little more unique is that every single customer at SailPoint, regardless of size, gets a named customer success manager. 
The customer success organization actually contains multiple teams. And to the best of our ability, we've aligned with our sales organization and their territory. So we have a strategic customer success team that handles some of our largest customers. We have vertical teams that specialize in insurance, healthcare, financial services, and then we have regional teams. Okay. And something that's that's newer to us is our onboarding team. So this year we've completely separated that function and created a separate team focused on time to value and early customer advocacy as part of the onboarding process. Got it. Okay. So we're going to talk about customer value today. Um, just to kind of kick that off, what are the trends that you see in 2020 that are leading to a real need to focus on customer value and outcomes in 2021? Oh gosh, yes. 2020 was a pivotal year for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> you could call it pivotal and you're being super nice about it. <laughs> right. Pivotal. What are, what are the other words? Unprecedented, unchartered, yeah. all of the above. Yes. <laughs> um, just about every industry had to uh, quickly adapt to the changing right. business landscape and customer success was no exception. And as the pandemic set in, what we saw is budgets came under scrutiny and customers were suddenly having to justify more so than ever the value they were getting out of any investment. And interestingly enough, we saw them scrambling and trying to dig up their old ROI or business value assessment, um, especially in situations where the buyer had moved on. And then even more interesting <laughs> is that a lot of them then, then came to customer success teams and said, I need assistance putting together this value statement. And many of those teams, ours included, were, were caught off guard and mm -hmm. going through these same motions of scrambling to put together this value assessment. You know, up until that point, the focus of many of the teams had been more around adoption and value wasn't readily available. Uh, another trend that we saw, and it actually came through in several studies was around effort. For some time, there's been this concept of the customer effort score. How easy is it for a customer to work with a vendor, be it mm -hmm. getting a support ticket resolved, getting something purchased, escalating, locating the right point of contact. And in most CSM organizations, I believe have been measuring this for some time, but it's, it's not been a primary metric. And what these studies found was that vendors that came under fire the most during COVID were those that were difficult to work with, those that didn't uh -huh. provide a great experience. So, uh, you know, we have, we've had this sudden escalation of two very important items. So first it's, it's a trend around value. And then second is the trend around what a lot of people are now calling an effortless experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think those are, those are biggies. And, um, I want to talk about how you kind of looked at those trends and then really took those and, and thought about how you were going to make changes on your own team based on what was happening in the market. So how has the need to refocus your team on value impacted your approach to onboarding new customers? I know you mentioned that you've broken that part of the mm -hmm. team out. Yes, and, and that was part of this refocus. So it, it has, okay. uh, our approach has changed pretty dramatically. Originally for us, onboarding was about this warm welcome to the mm -hmm. customer, making sure they were aware of the resources available to them and what 
they and make sure that they had what they needed to be successful during their implementation. We were here to support them. We watched their implementation, but took more of a backseat and and really looked to the customer and partner to give us a thumbs up or thumbs down as to how things were progressing. Um, however, uh, what we've now learned was that you know this this trend of value it wasn't necessarily a focus or something tracked during the implementations and and customers very quickly lost sight of the business level. ROI and to some extent we're a bit directionless. So we've completely changed our approach in 2021. Um, of course, we still educate the customers. We introduce them to the various supporting resources, but we no longer take a back seat. So at 30, 60, and 90 days, uh, our on onboarding team is responsible for reconvening that original account team along with the customer and partner and assessing how far have they progressed towards their desired outcomes and ROI? And if the customer has veered off path or is slowing down, then we as an account team have the opportunity to very quickly course correct. Um, the process also ensures that we're all on the same page with regards mm -hmm. to the state of the implementation. We share the same view. Um, the other thing that we've done with regards to our onboarding process is put together um, a fast path to initial value. Mm -hmm. um, for our customers. We're calling them prescriptive paths. We have a significant amount of expertise and have done, along with our partners, tens of thousands of implementations. So we've consolidated that expertise into to prescriptive paths and kind of forcing our customers through these mm -hmm. paths initially. Um, and then the next thing I say is, you know, when it comes to how to implement our product, uh, the customer is not always right. And through this new onboarding process, we're being very, very bullish with our expertise and years of experience and showing them how to get the most of their investment and how to do so quickly. Great. I know um, one tricky part of onboarding can be getting the sales team to transition what they've learned about customer value during the sales process to the CS team. How are you addressing that challenge? And, and this has been a challenge. And, and I think most, <laughs> most yeah. CSM teams will tell you that, that that's, a, that's a big one for them. You know, step one is to solve the alignment problem. Um, the pre mm -hmm. and post sale organizations have to be aligned with some type of shared goal. At the beginning of 2020, we actually made a pr pretty significant and some may say controversial organizational shift to combine the pre and post sale teams under our chief revenue office. And we did this because we found we weren't aligned. You know, our customer experience mm -hmm. was lumpy. Customers were calling us out on it. And, you know, of course, when we did this, we had the expected concerns. Um, I'm a CF, I'm a CSM. Am I suddenly going to become quota bearing? Who yeah. really owns the customer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but as, but as part of this organizational shift, we created account teams, um, including CSM support and sales services um, aligned to the best of our ability to the sales territories and, and we started small. We gave them high level shared goals mm -hmm. when it came to existing customers and we saw returns. Uh, those returns ultimately came through in our customer effort score. But the next step or phase of this is to expand the alignment goals to um, the new or not yet even customers. Um, the way I look at it is customer outcomes or value statements start with that first interaction, be it with a sales engineer, an inside sales rep, et cetera. And the criticality of capturing those points from those interactions mm -hmm. cannot be emphasized enough. So we've actually created a team that does this. We have a business value assessment team now that's responsible mm -hmm. for grabbing these data points, these challenges, and creating that initial value assessment. From there, our account executives engage um, they form that assessment into desired outcomes, and those outcomes are then packaged up 
and passed along to the CSM. And with our new onboarding process, they stay alive because we're coming back every mm-hmm. 30 days to make sure we're on track. Um, but a key piece of this as well, especially if, if you need to scale, which I think we all need to do is technology, um, that we have to be able to automate the tracking and measurement of customer success um, when it comes to outcomes. And I think technology is imperative. And there are several, yeah. several existing and emerging BVA products out there that integrate into Salesforce uh, customer success tools and make this handoff very, very seamless. And, and we're actually in the process of evaluating um, several of these, and hopefully we'll have one implemented short, uh, shortly. That's great. Um, tell me how you're planning to tackle introducing the idea of focusing on value and business outcomes to your older customers, those that have been around for a while, since this is kind of a new process for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's an interesting question and one we've we've spent a lot of time on. And the way I look at it is, we're a security company and the uh-huh. threat landscape is continually changing. New risks emerge every day. There, every day there's something in the news about somebody being hacked. And if a company is proactive and they've prioritized security, which just about everyone has, then I think this value statement and business outcomes are constantly changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm, we talked a lot about the initial value statement and I think it's important to mention that it doesn't stop once that first set of goals is checked off. And (laughs) I I think it's the responsibility of the CSM to um, pull that account team back together on a regular basis to tell the customer what's next. Um, So, you know, to answer your question, I think for our older customers, um, they always need to be thinking about what they need to do next. And it's up to us as experts in our field to start that conversation and, and kind of propose the, the new set of goals to them. Yeah. Before we continue with the rest of the interview, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. If you like Strike Deck Radio, I'd like to introduce you to my new podcast, Reading for Success. Reading for Success is a short weekly podcast where I review books and articles on customer success leadership, break them down for you, and help you figure out whether or not they are worth your time. We will also be featuring author interviews from time to time. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many of the other podcast platforms. I hope you'll join me for Reading for Success. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I love data. If you want to create a data-driven customer success program, StrikeDeck's Pro Guide to Customer Success is a report based on a preliminary study of 5,600 CS professionals from nearly 600 companies. It highlights the scope of customer success and offers valuable data points to help CS professionals enhance their initiatives. Get access to it now and let data drive your decision-making. We'll add the link in the description of this podcast. And now back to today's episode. One thing that's true across all of the companies we work with is that most of the time, the business outcomes that customers care about aren't things that are measured inside of your or the vendor's solution. So how are you planning to tackle measuring things that are outside of your control? Um, Kristen, this is a great question. (laughs) Right now, (laughs) right now we solve this with regular business reviews, circling back with our customer partner, the Mm -hmm. account team and getting consistent or excuse me, consensus around how they're tracking. But honestly, this is a very big challenge and one that's, that's keeping me awake at night. So I would love any insights that you have on this one. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a this is not easy. This is the part of the CSM's job that I think is is hard, um, and it's the fact that you have to plan goals together with your customers. And you mentioned executive business reviews being a great place to do that, and you're absolutely right. I think as you have the conversation with the customer and you're getting into things that are business value drivers rather than technology drivers, which tends to happen as you move away from the initial implementation and further along in the customer's life cycle, um, it's important to talk about how are you going to measure success with the client. And so, you know, when they bring up their next business objective, maybe they, um, just for example, maybe they acquired a new company and part of what they need to do is make sure that security is in place for that new acquisition at the same level as the rest of the company. And so there's going to be some work to do to, to bring them along. Um, you know, there, there needs to be sort of milestones that are defined in that process that you can measure to. But that's stuff that's going to be tracked on the customer's side as well. And so I think the conversation Part of the conversation needs to be not just what are you looking at, but how are you going to measure it and how are you going to measure it together? And that kind of conversation then can lead into, okay, customer, if this is what we want to measure, I'm going to need to get some of that information back from you because it's not going to live on our system. It's going to live on your system. And so, um, you know, once you start that um, dialogue, then it, be, it becomes a team effort. Uh, then you can start to get some of that data back from your clients. So that's how we coach our clients on working that. I don't know if that, I hope that helps. It's a it, challenge. It helps quite a bit. <laughs> it is, it is. But, but I, I, I love that approach and I've never heard it explained that way. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, I think one of the best things about documenting customer goals and results is the positive impact it can have when there's turnover inside the client's company. Um, how do you see your efforts improving the process of shifting from one sponsor over to a new sponsor? Yeah, we, we've seen a lot of this as of late um, yeah. with, the down, with the downward pressure on spending due to the pandemic. Um, we're seeing a lot of organizations consolidate resources and teams, and there has been a significant amount of turnover, at least in our industry at, at the C-level, which is typically where our main sponsors sit. So of course, having yeah. that that value statement, you know, to seamlessly pull up to the new sponsor is, is invaluable. Um, the other thing that we're doing is focusing a lot of time and effort right now on stakeholder alignment or stakeholder mapping and trying to be very prescriptive about how we engage at each level. So for example, um, we may have a playbook that says for a strategic customer, the owner of the C-level relationship is someone on our executive team. And the expectation is that they are communicating at a minimum quarterly and the objectives of each communication are laid out. So very prescriptive. Now the responsibility of driving and tracking these communications falls to the CSM. But what this does is ensure that constant communication at each level, we're aware when a change happens and then we get the opportunity to make that seamless transition versus being caught off guard. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. Um, it, it can be very helpful to do this the way that I think you're, you're moving your team toward. What do you see as some of the other benefits of shifting to a value focus? Um, I think the, the main benefit is as a company, we deliver better products and services for our customers. 
uh, our product management teams have been clamoring for this sort of information. They want to drive mm -hmm. roadmaps that solve customer problems, not address functionality requests. And so customer value assessments kind of cut through all of the noise. And, and to me, they say very cleanly here, here's what the majority of our customers want to achieve. Now we can architect around that. Uh, same with our services team understanding the majority desired outcomes, they can craft offerings. You know, I mentioned prescriptive paths earlier um, mm -hmm. that will expedite customer implementation. So I think value puts the customer, not product, truly at the center of every decision. So the entire company benefits. Yeah, that's great. If, um, if somebody in our audience is in the same boat and they need to shift their team away from a product focus and toward more of a value focus, uh, how do you recommend that they get started? You know, my recommendation is take a look at how you are measuring or incenting your teams, which um, is really from the customer success side is what is going to drive their conversations with the customer. So are you measuring mm -hmm. them on adoption or retention? If so, I would change the primary metrics to be outcome achievement and net retention, just as an example. Um, do you measure customer satisfaction? I would change that to customer effort score. And, you know, of course, you can't just <laughs> rip the, the rug out from under your CSMs right. and change the KPIs overnight. You know, you've got to have a process and a support structure behind it. But I'd say step one is to think about, you know, what how do you want your teams to interact with the customers and, uh, and set those KPIs up accordingly? Yeah, I think, um, I think the compensation piece is such a big one as well. Mm -hmm. um, people do, you know, people do what they're compensated for. Exactly. And so you need to have that aligned. And, and I think that um, often we see trailing all the way back as far as the sales compensation. Um, sure driving toward this too. And so, um, and I can nerd out all day on compensation, so. <laughs> but it is, I mean, it's something, I just wanted to point that out because it's something that you absolutely have to consider. I think when you're making these kinds of changes, because it is a huge behavior driver for people. I could not agree more. <laughs> um, so last question, aside from a shift toward focusing on value, what do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? Yeah, so I'll, I'll go back to something I said in the beginning, and, and I think that's around the measurement and, and focus around effort. You know, we as organizations, especially in, in, in these times, we have to be easy to work with. Customers mm -hmm. are simply not tolerant of lumpy experiences. They are, you know, in addition to some of the turnover we've seen um, with people in the organizations, they are actively looking to consolidate technologies and vendors. And mm -hmm. if you're not easy to work with, your partnership with your customers is at risk. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, people right now, especially just given everything that's happened in 2000, it's not, it's not even just the customer experience. It's the fact that everyone's patience is worn thin in <laughs> yes. every area of their life right now. And that's playing into this as well, I think. Um, I notice it for myself. I am just less patient. And I have taken to social media for a couple of vendors recently, and I mm -hmm. never would have done that before <laughs> because it because of lumpy experiences. So you're absolutely right. And I think it's being made worse by the fact that we're all very tired of COVID and <laughs> 
<laughs> sitting in our homes and wearing masks and all the things that we need to do to um, be safe and healthy. And we're just all tired and it's making everybody grumpy. And so, um, you know, it, it makes it even more important that the experience is so smooth um, because we sell to people, not just companies. And those people yes. want to have a good experience. So yes, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm with you on that. <laughs> well, thank you, Meredith, for being part of the podcast today. I really appreciate our conversation about measuring customer value and ways to leverage that across the company. Um, I appreciate your time and advice. And um, if somebody wanted to reach out and keep the conversation going with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Well, first, thank you so much for having me. Um, I, I love these conversations. And like you, I can nerd out all day talking about <laughs> customer experience. So I would say if anyone wants to continue the dialogue or even start another one around customer experience, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I, I, would, I would love to continue this conversation. That's great. Thank you so much. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.